Ladies and gentlemen, Thomas and Caballeros. Yeah, I think I finally got it. <laughs> you finally got through, man. How you doing, brother? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good, thank you. I don't know what happened here, man. It was uh, you know, uh, it, it, I could like hear I could hear the call going through and then yeah. it would drop you. All of a sudden. Yeah, I, it was, I didn't just, it. Yeah, it was it, it was dropping me. It could have been the connection on my end, I don't know, but I even took it off of like the Wi-Fi here and it was still kind of choppy, so I just switched it to a different network, um, one that's mostly dedicated to the like TV and the Netflix and stuff like that, and it seemed to have worked. I think it has something to do with my kids. I just I just texted my now mom, get off your games, please. You're killing me over here, man. <laughs> you know? Oh, oh my man, my, my my oldest grandson kills our bandwidth here because he he plays <laughs> Call of Duty all fucking day. All I'm telling you, bro. Day. Both my boys, you know, here's, here's the crazy thing. I, I was living um, about a mile away from where I, I bought my other house right now. The last yeah. house we sold, it was a bigger place, okay? And uh, because my kids were like, they, they were like in that whole, I'm moving out, um, you know what I mean, vibe. I'm moving out. I'm not going to live anymore. I'm going to go to college. I'm going to go to, one of them was like, I'm going to go to Arizona. The other one's, I'm going to San Diego. They both decided, nah, after me and the wife uh, decided, okay, we're going to get rid of this big house. Uh, we're going to move in a smaller place. And then they decided, no, we're not going to go anywhere. We're going to go school here. And they're swallowing <laughs> up all my bandwidth, you know. <laughs> so I'm like, holy shit. So I only got this, like, uh, AT&T because that's all I can get out over here because I live out here in the sticks, you know. Um, yeah. Which shouldn't even be considered because Modesto, it's starting to become like, I'm not going to say like a city, because everybody goes, oh, it's a city. But, you know, just because you have a few, you know, buildings up, dude, you're not L.A. or you're not the Silicon Valley. You know, we don't even have skyscrapers here. I think the tallest building we have here, it probably goes about eight stories high. So it's not that big. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. So you would think that that because they're starting to build more shit, we got like now they're building a Dave and Buster's that they would like start bringing like Verizon or somebody else better out here because AT and T, you guys suck. It's not that great. It's really bad over here. Uh, anyway, it's it, it's crazy That's for us. I mean, because even like where I live in Pico Rivera, if certain uh, wireless providers. You know, they're not they're not allowed in here, but others are that are slower bandwidth. So we're kind of trapped with spectrum, and it's okay. Yeah. Um, but you know, we share it with you know. I was talking to the person for Directv because I was thinking of switching back to Directv, and I was asking about their wireless internet connection, and they're saying that the biggest they could do is six megabits, which is like barely livable, and. You know, but he told me that the inside scoop about Spectrum is that why they offer you a lot of bandwidth, it's shared amongst your your area. So you can can experience peak time slowness 
And, you know, he, he also said that if you have someone who's constantly on their video games, that could affect you. I was like, you know, I, it, it makes sense. But, it, I mean, it is what it is until I can, you know, figure out, you know, find a better provider. This, this is the, the hand I'm dealt with. The multiple videos that have been posted up on YouTube about the glove gate. That's the new thing right now that's trending through the internet. The glove gate uh, situation <laughs> between Tyson Fury and Deontay. Here's the thing. Let, let, me, let me stop you right there. This isn't even glove gate. Okay. The glove gate was initially, glove gate is Maidana Mayweather. That's glove gate. Oh. This is nothing. This right. is this is just a bunch of conspiracy theorists who who think that they know anything about gloves, but yet never la- really ask anybody in the glove business if their theories were factual. And you know, I'm sure myself, I'm sure you know the team at Reyes, you know, I'm sure uh, Grant, you know, Grant Elvis Phillips would have told them the same. This is a bunch of hooey. You know, you can't keep you know dragging people down in the mud. That that take their whole lives in 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 what they put on the fighters' hands, and and you know it was just insulting to hear all the conspiracy theorists, you know, as to why you know Fury did this, why what, did his glove look like that? It was it was pathetic. Now the original glove gate, Mayweather Maidana, that was a little bit more layered and you know and just it was actually that it had teeth to it, whereas this is just actually silly. You know, yeah, I mean, am I wrong to say, man, that it comes down to nationality? Like, because I was talking about this before we got cut off on YouTube. For some reason, just YouTube just fell off. But I was saying was this, because it's not like we haven't seen this before, Ernie, where when you have, like, okay, the Great White Hope, remember that? Uh, Gary Cooney, the Great White Hope. There was a lot of folks. Imagine if the internet was at that time. The internet would have broke. Uh, you know, it was a great <laughs> white hope. Here's a guy that 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 was was gonna bring back boxing to the white folks. It didn't happen. Um, now you had a long reign for boxing in terms of that there wasn't a black or African American to reign as a heavyweight. And because here's the fact is that Lennox Lewis or anybody else that's not from the States is not considered to a lot of folks as an African-American or a black guy. They look at him as a guy from the overseas. He's got a UK. He sounds like a UK guy. He's got to be a white guy. He's not, I can't identify with them. So there is no case in no way, no hell. He's a black guy. Did we fall? I mean, did we see a lot of guys from here in the States that fall into that trap were, they looked at Deontay Wilder as being the, the, the black hope, and that's why they can't accept the fact that some guy from the U.K. by, by the name of Tyson Fury came over here and just destroyed him. Well, I don't – I mean, I don't think it's uh, racist per se. I, I do think a lot of prejudices come out when, you know, their favorite fighters, someone's favorite fighters, faces adversity, you know, and it's the one thing about this sport we have to understand is that it, there's no 
L.A. Lakers. There's no L.A. Dodgers where you can root for a whole entire team composed of different nationalities and races. These fighters walk in individually, and a lot of fans, rightfully so, identify with the color that or the nationality or the race that the fighter is. And I get that. I mean, totally get that. I mean, I, hmm. I you know, I've, I've had the privilege of being media and Everlast and now Golden Boy. And the one thing that I think I've successfully navigated is the ability not to put my nationalities and races into it, you know, cause I'm Mexican and Filipino and right. You know, I'm colorblind when it comes to fights. I'm, I'm totally colorblind. I mean, I just, I don't see, I don't give preference, nor do I give, you know, hindrance towards someone based off of who they are, you know, the color of their skin or anything like that. But it does happen, and it is prevalent in our sport. And I'd venture to say that a lot of the theories that came out of with regards to Fury's gloves, um, yeah, it came from from um, some African Americans. I think there's a a, a group that, you know, L was the LDBC Lions Den boxing something that, yes. that it thrives on that. And, and, you know, and I know they went in, into it with Ishe Smith over some of the things that they were saying. And he they went into, killed them. Yeah, they went into like deep with Ishe Smith. Yeah. And Ishe killed them. One man killed a whole entire group in my opinion. And, and, you know, if they're crying, about the inequalities in boxing. Right now, yes, you know, they really so. don't have a leg to stand on. If you think right. about it, because a lot of the, uh, I mean, a lot of the theories were, you know, they're not promoting African American fighters correctly. But if you look, Floyd Mayweather was one of the biggest draws to ever grace a boxing ring. Um, Terrence Crawford can can sell ten thousand seats away from Omaha. He, he hmm. sold 10000 for his clown fight. Earl Spence, everybody kept saying Earl Spence is only going to be able to sell that much in Dallas. But he comes to Staples Center in L.A. and damn near sells it out. Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury practically sell out Staples Center here in L.A. Do a great number in, in Las Vegas for the rematch. So, so I think fans, I think the true, true hardcore fans, they don't care about the color. They just care about the fight and, and, and the magnitude of the fight. So, so I hope but Ernie, let's, that, let's, that... Let's talk about the color. Let's talk about... Forget about that because we all know as boxing fans, we erase the color. We, you know, every hardcore boxing fan has got a favorite fighter that doesn't even belong in their same, like, nationality or ethic, okay? But let's, let's talk about the guys that, right now. I, walk me through... Because you're a guy that's been with Everlast for, God, dude, I don't even, like, over a decade, or maybe a decade already, okay? Right? Yeah, since 2008. Okay, so there we go. So walk me through this, okay? So you, how does it, how, how does it, how does it roll out? Give me the, roll out the carpet for me. If I'm a fighter, and I ask for a particular, particular gloves, okay? What is the process of me getting these gloves? How does it brought to me? Is there a bunch of people? I mean, do I have a chance? I guess the, the question is, do I have a chance to tamper with these gloves before I either get to the stadium, get inside the ring, and before the fight starts? 
I can't speak on any other brands. I, that's, I don't know the process because I'm not employed by them. I can, what I can tell you is how we do it at Everlast. Okay. This, best, this is specifically to custom-colored gloves in championship fights, which is, well, which is what a Wilder Fury fight was. Anything that we do custom-colored, um, especially in Nevada, we are to send them to Bob Bennett at the Nevada State Athletic Commission uh, the Wednesday before the fight. So it's not even we can't even walk them in on Friday. They have to be to Bob Bennett by Wednesday. Okay. Bob Bennett from the commission takes them and puts them away. Yeah, I'm sure if it's, I'm probably guessing it's in his office, and he keeps them there until weigh-in. From there, once the weigh-in, it now it, it depends. A lot of a lot of commissions like to do the glove selection prior to the weigh-in. Some do it after, but there is a time in place where the fighter camps come in. The gloves are laid out on the table by the commission, and the fighters go. The fighters and their teams go through and inspect not only their gloves but their opponent's gloves. So at some point, Fury's gloves were inspected by Deontay Wilder's team. It's hmm. like that for every major fight. So if someone had an issue with the gloves on Wilder's side, they should have brought it up then. And, and then they could have protested. And normally, nine times out of ten, if someone has a problem specifically with that, pair of gloves or that specific run of gloves, there are backups. Usually, like, if, if we have, say, like, someone protests one of our gloves, you know, because right. they don't like the color, they don't like it, anything, we have stock backups just in case, and we'll present the stock backup, the commission will look at them, fighter teams will look at them, and they go through. This is specific to, like, anything, like, custom coloring, custom logos, stuff like that, you know, and, 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 it, there's just no way possible on a fight of that level with titles on the line and arguably one of the best commissions in, in the world in Nevada, there's no way you could sneak one through. You just, you couldn't. You could, you know, back in the day before the Maidana um, Mayweather fight, I could walk in gloves uh, literally minutes before the glove selection. So from my hands to the commission's hands, you know, it, it could have been a transition of minutes. But now it's not even close to that. I mean, California Commission, they require three pairs. Um, one to hold, two for one for the primary, one backup, and then one to hold just in case. Same so thing what changed that, though? What changed that? What, what made um, that Mayweather happen? Mayweather Maidana. Really? May- May- Mayweather Maidana changed the rules in Nevada. Wow. It, they changed, they, it used to be able to present gloves on a Friday afternoon after the weigh-in. No one had seen them until I present them to the commission. Now it's a whole different process. It's, it's, they, they go through, like with California, they'll open mm-hmm. each pair of gloves, inspect them, because they've been trained to inspect these different models, because that's another thing that we do. Before a glove gets introduced to the masses, we send them out to all the commissions. So, like, if we made a change to our MX glove, you know, that, that's significant enough that we need to kind of almost change the glove. We send them all to the, we send them off to all the major commissions. And then, you know, if someone else fights, you know, in a different state, we'll send it off to the commission to say, hey, this is the glove. But 
any changes, any moves, any any additions to our glove line have to go to the commission. So not only are they they aware of custom coloring and custom making gloves for, for fighters, but they're also have to make themselves aware of each and every model that comes in. So in this case, with the rematch in Vegas, um, the glove that Fury wore was Poffin, European brand. So somewhere down the line, Team Fury, Poffin, and Nevada had to agree, okay, you need to send us these gloves so we can approve them prior to putting them on Fury's hands. So, And this mm. was done weeks in advance. So like if we... Like when we introduced our elite glove, we had to send them out to all the major commissions for approval, and, and you know, and it's a long process. They, you know, they'll they, especially on the states that that really are stringent upon gloves. You know, they'll say, "Hey, we need another pair." You know, we cut this one open, so we want to actually feel what it what it feels like on impact. We want to try have someone try it with wraps, and and then finally they they will say, "Okay, this this is approved for for competition." So it's a long process to get a pair of gloves to the hands of a fighter, especially at that level. Wow. That is so interesting, man. You know, well, I know I got my... The funny, thing is, mm. the funny thing is that no one really asked a glove person. I, it doesn't even have to no. be me, but no one really asked a glove person if this was a, a legit argument. And, to a person, they would have said, no, it's not a legit argument. There, there's too many steps and processes to get this to a point where Fury could do anything to these gloves. You know, they're, you didn't even, you know they're what? Like they were Ernie, saying, well, why did they, why did they close, turn off the camera? Well, they, don't, well, they didn't want anybody seeing anything. But see, here's the thing. Right. The, the Nevada Commission is there at the whole time. They're, they're there. They're sitting down. They're, they're making sure that nothing gets by. You know, and a, a, a a representative from Wilder's team has to go over there to observe the the hand wrapping. So so right. There's too many there's too many hurdles to overcome to get to get one by. Ernie, it's uh, a milk car. Uh, nice to hear from you and to hear your expert opinion and, and insight on this. Um, and it's great to hear you again. I used to actually listen to your show back when you had one. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I was way back in the day. Um, you know, the funny thing is you mentioned the video, BT Sport actually released their video feed of the entire hand wrapping process on YouTube for anyone that's interested in seeing that. And like you said, the the gloves are sent into the commission way in advance. Uh, multiple pairs are given. All of the pairs are actually inspected by the opposing camp or, and, and then they're there to watch the whole hand wrapping process. So when you first heard like this story, what what was your first reaction? Um, uh, I, I, I'm, I was laughing until until I realized that people <laughs> so were say, actually so same, serious. So so same as me, pretty much. It was a comedian. It was. I thought I really seriously thought it was for shits and giggles that they were just you know fucking mind fucking someone, but then they right, were legit, yeah. and it went it went on, not just for a couple of days, but it went on for a second, a third week, and I'm like. Really, I mean, if this is the way I see it, if if the conspiracy people thought there was something legitimately wrong with the gloves, they would have to ask someone who works in the glove making business to say, "Hey, mm-hmm. 
is there something legit? And I venture to say that there wouldn't be a single person that sat there and said, yeah, you, you're on to something because it, it's, it's not possible or feasible to, to, to alter a glove from the time. Because here's the thing. Once the gloves are selected for the fight, they're sealed up, put in bags, and they go back with the commission. So nobody sees these gloves until the commission arrives in the fighter's dressing room gives them here's your number one primary pair here's the backup pair and and that's it that's clearly just that's it It, these gloves don't ever really sit in the hands of a fighter for any period of time other than to put them on and take them off or or to try them yeah put them on that's either at the you know at the weigh-in or at the fight and then take them off and that's it so so this whole theory about Cuffing, putting it, you know, uh, Fury, you know, having to put it at the cuff and, you know, or or you could see, look at the way it bends, no glove bends like that. And that's actually not true. Um, <laughs> softer, softer, pliable gloves made with a softer leather will bend like that. And the reason why isn't necessarily to make it a puncher's glove. I think it just, that's just kind of the residual factor out of it. More so to be able to parry with your hands. Um, uh, your opponent's shots. We 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 make our glove malleable, like the the MX glove is our softest glove. Mm-hmm. So that way you can actually parry your 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 opponent's shot. You know, and it, it you know, it, and it's a soft glove. I, I you know, I I, I think it uh, goes without saying that it is a soft glove. You know, but a, a lot of these gloves, especially out of Mexico, are soft like that for that very purpose. So I mean, it I, I just I couldn't. I couldn't take it seriously. I never replied to anybody with it because even when they were going on and on and on and they were taking it as a serious debate, I just kept, I just sat there and, and observed it for the comedic value of it. So let me ask you this, okay? Um, because what I've seen with a lot of these uh, conspiracy theorist people or these people that are truly believing that this is the thing that's happened. There's two things, Ernie. I don't know if you remember the one, the first thing, let me, let me just uh, kind of backtrack here. I don't know if you remember when I text you, is there a horse hair in gloves? And you said, yes, there is. Yes. So my question yes. is, because what they're having, what this is what these guys, they're not bringing in a glove expert. What they're doing is they'll bring on a coach that nobody's ever heard of. Um, some of these coaches I've never heard of, you know what I mean? Uh, uh, I'm sorry if I haven't, uh, uh, maybe I'm not paying attention, uh, too much because of the COVID-19. So I apologize if I'm insulting anybody that's a coach, but I've never heard of you. And, and you're, you're, you're throwing up your expertise standpoint and they're saying Ernie that there's a strong possibility they take out the horse hair, but right when they're walking in the ring. So I'm not, this is my question. How much a percentage of horse hair are in the gloves and how much of the regular padding that they're putting now is in the glove? And if they're taking out whatever percentage of the, of the horse hair, could that make a major factor? And could they possibly do something like that? You know what I mean? Like let, let, if, if we're going to play along with that, could they do something like that? Well, here's the thing. Okay, so in the glove manufacturing, the way we do it is mm-hmm. there's these nylon sacks that basically hold the, the materials of a glove inside of it. So foam, 
horsehair, different layers, different types of foam. You know, like like our pro, our Paralock glove is made of I want to say three different types of foam um, for di- various reasons. You know, uh, closer to your knuckle is more protective. A little bit outside is a thinner layer for for impact. But all of these gloves are sewn together in nylon packets called tech packs. So if 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 no actual materials are exposed. In other words, they're wrapped up in these nylon packs, and then the leather is put on them. There's no mm-hmm. way for anybody to take a hole out of it and start pulling stuff out of out of the glove. That's been prevented for like that's that's been in measure for a long time. Because yes, back in the day when they just stuffed a glove with whatever materials compromised their in the gloves at the time, yeah, you can start pulling stuff out, or you can start picking a hole in the nylon. You know the 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 nylon sleeve for the hand, you you can start pulling it out. But now that's not the case anymore because all these gloves are now filled with with uh, um, a cartridge full of foam called a nylon tech pack. So there's no way you can get it through, pick at it, and start picking stuff out of it. There's just no way. It, it doesn't work that way. And and you know I it, it's funny because you know everybody talks about the Fury Wilder stuff, but I had to go back to my Mayweather Maidana to learn all about this because I had to show the commission the nylon tech pack out of an, an, an MX glove to show them that there's no way that we can alter it. Um, I had to show them, you know, the, the actual specs. Uh, it, it's actually the blueprint of, of, of our MX fight glove. We had to show the commission that. Uh, we got on several radio, uh, several radio shows. Kevin Ioli did an article. Steve Kim did an article. So, you know, this was all the way back in, in what, 2012 when they fought? Or I forgot right. when they fought, but, yeah. But, so, you know, it, it, it was, it's all news to me. So when they start coming up with these conspiracy theories, and I see see these guys, you know, pulling out their big five, you know, uh, uh, what's the name, you know, the big five century, you know, vinyl glove, and, and they're showing us how you could, you know, take the Velcro off and, and put it halfway <laughs> down to your cuff. You know, it, it, first off, I'm sitting there saying, okay, wait, they do realize these gloves are laced up, so it, there's no way you can use a Velcro glove in a, in a title fight like that or any type of professional well, fight like that. Er, Ernie, I, you know what I heard? This is what I heard. I heard they weren't using horse hair, that what actually was happening, it was goat hair. That's why it was softer, and that's why every time you heard Fury Punch, it you would hear the bah, bah. I don't know. That's what I heard, man. <laughs> hey, you, you know, hey, I, let me ask you this, because you were there for the Madonna in Mayweather. Uh, the bottle being, this, I think this is a bigger story here. The bottle being thrown by the Garcias, did it have Gatorade or was it water that was in the bottle? Answer me that. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. You liar. Man, you were there. I, I heard I, you were filling up. I, I heard you were filling it up with Gatorade. Honestly, honest and truthfully, when we walked out of that um, fiasco mm-hmm. and on our way to Hard Rock for because uh, there was a card that day after the weigh-in. I think I want to say Ishe Smith fought that Friday, and we were on our way to to the Hard Rock. Everybody kept saying, fights off, fights off. Robert Garcia was telling me, fuck him, fuck, fuck Mayweather, fuck Floyd, fights off. We're not going to fight him. We, we wear MX. So that was it. I mean, I was for, for all the tips. 
because here's what happened. So ah. the custom colored Maidana gloves we made, nobody approved them. They didn't like them. They kept going back and forth. Uh, the commission even said, you know, this is a legit glove. We've inspected it, you know, this and that. But Floyd, Floyd Sr. and their lawyer kept, oh, and Leonard too, kept saying, insisting, no, you're not, you're not going to fight in this glove. So this is what happened. Since we had a card that day at the Hard Rock, we had enough stock Red MX to send over. So we pulled as many Red MXs as we could, sent them over to the weigh-in, and we laid them out. Commission said these have already been approved. They're stock. Floyd, Floyd Sr. and Leonard didn't even bother looking at them. Said, no, I don't care where you got these from. I don't care if they're stock. He's not fighting in that glove, no matter what. So for all intents and purposes, that, that fight was off. I mean, I walked out of there. I interviewed with Fight Hype, and I said, hey, I think the fight's off. You know, I'm, I'm talking can I, to Can I ask you something, Ernie? If, if yeah. that happens, who's – you know, financially responsible for the card being canceled. It's got to be the Mayweather camp, right? Yeah, I would. Well, I would say uh, no one wins at this because I would say honestly, to be to be frank, I would say you'd probably still have legal ramifications out of this to that day if it if it didn't come off. It. I mean, I would think hmm. there would still be lawsuits pending. I mean, it that it was a real tangled mess that we were in, and. So, you know, from what I understand from my Donna side, a little cash was given to their side, and the fight came off. But, um, yeah, for, for, for a long spell, so about 9.30, I got a call from Leonard Ellaby. He said, can I talk to you? I said, sure. So I go down to the VIP area at MGM, and, you know, we're talking. He goes, you know what, I respect you. You know, you really fought for your glove, and, and you gave us all the, the factual information, but truth of the matter is that no way will Floyd fight Maidana in that glove. And I told him, I said, you know, you do understand, Cotto did fight in this glove before. And he goes, yeah, I know. But that was a different weight. Those were 10-ounce gloves. We're talking about 8-ounce gloves. I said, fair enough. He, he goes, but there's been an agreement. I said, okay. So he, I said, what is Maidana wearing? He's going to wear your glove, but it's going to be the power lock. I said, okay, fine. That's, as long as Maidana's happy with it, that's fine. So, you know, it, So what it was, was the difference? It, the power lock is all foam, and it's 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 a glove that's made overseas. I want to say India. It might be made in India. I I, I forget sure. offhand words words made, but yeah, it's an all foam glove. It's got a a a, a, a detached thumb, so that way it, the thumb positioning is a little bit more natural to the hand. So mm-hmm. it's actually but really ex- but explain this to me, Ernie, because I know you have sparring gloves and then you have training gloves. I mean, is that uh-huh. the difference? Is, is there a difference in that, what, what the Mayweather camp was asking for? Well, I think they wanted to make sure that Maidana fought in, in a glove that was all foam, that was a little bit stiffer than what the MX offered. Mm-hmm. Um, now, to, to get to your question about sparring, training, and stuff like that, sparring, training gloves, stuff like that, they're, they're you know, the professional level and just below mm-hmm. the left professional level. They're built to last. They're built to, to withstand, you know, a couple hundred rounds of heavy bag or sparring or whatever. The, the, the fight gloves, and everybody's fight gloves are the same. They're not built necessarily to last, you know, oh, a couple hundred uh, rounds. They're, they're built you. to last 
maybe, I don't know, at max 40 rounds, you know, four 10-round fights at max. And, and you shouldn't be using them. Now, you know, smaller promoters will keep using and recycling gloves until, you know, they literally fall off their hands. But at a, at a bigger level, generally, promoters will only use a, a glove a couple times. They keep track of all this, you know, how many rounds it's done. If it's only done one round, great. We can use them for a couple more fights. If it's done 10 rounds, that means all the sweat, all the water. What, is, what does that determine, though? What, what, Ernie, what does that determine? What, what is mean? like the stitching? Like, what is it? Like, uh, how do they determine that? Is it sti- the way it's stitched up, uh, the, the the foam or the, the horse hair that's in provided oh, inside the glove? If, if, if I were to discontinue a, a glove out of circulation mm-hmm. for a fight, mostly because of the, the, the impact area has been pushed in a little bit or compromised hmm. a little bit, you know, just basically off of usage. You also have to take into account when, when a fighter gets, you know, doused in water, that water goes down its arm, his arm, and it, it filters into the glove. Now, all that water soaks into the foam, and it starts depressing the foam a little bit. So now you've got a, a glove filled with water where the foam is now kind of soggy, so if you're continuing to punch someone with that, then it starts impacting the foam just a little bit more, just a little bit more to where it, it, it's almost thinning out the foam. So so big usage gloves like that, you're not going to get that with a fight glove. It, it's just not – no one in their right mind would, would do that. You know, it, and, and, and that's every manufacturer. You know, they're not necessarily built to, to withstand 200, 300 rounds like, like a good training glove. It's more – you know, for it's more like it, I always liken it to like fight gloves are basically a, a race car with no frills, no no luxuries, nothing. It's just a race car. It's meant to go fast. You know, hmm. training gloves are, are your luxury SUVs. They're gonna you know they're gonna you know be the most comfortable thing that you have. You know, it, and and that's kind of the you know the difference between the two. Fight gloves are, sounds are like, meant. Sounds like my condoms. Yeah. You know. Uh, yeah, you know the rigid. Oh, <laughs> oh, sorry. This is a family uh, program. My bad. I forgot all about it. And that is uh, a different question, out of uh, kind of left field. Go ahead. But uh, are there are there like vegan gloves that are not made with like animal products? There are actually hmm. our elite pro training line. Yeah, it feels really? like leather, but it's it's not it's it's not leather. It's in I would venture to say our elite pro line. Uh, the reason why I know this is because a uh, um, uh, former baseball player, Ricky Romero, a good friend of mine, uh, I sent him some gear, and he really liked the gloves. And he goes, you know, it's too bad my wife's vegan; she doesn't like to put anything. I said, actually, our elite glove. He goes, no. I said, yeah. He goes, it feels like leather. I said, no, I know, but it's it's synthetic. He goes, oh, that's, yeah, that's awesome. So, yeah, so we do make a, a, a synthetic leather glove that's very, very comparable, very durable. In fact, I would venture to say our elite training gloves are the longest-lasting gloves we have. Wow, that's awesome. That's interesting. That's like, like wow. I, I would have never thought about that or yeah, uh, I mean, would have noticed the difference. You have to take into account. You have to take into account things like that. You know, if, you know, if you really want to be a successful, you know, company, you have to take into account everything and and we do you remember back in the day where everybody used to think that the reyes gloves were the puncher's glove how hard was it for you guys as a brand to kind of change that perspective of that because that's not true right ernie 
it it took a lot. I mean, honestly, you know, when I came in in 2008, you know, the the preferred training glove was winning. The preferred bike gloves were were Reyes, and right. for the very reason that you said. But you know, when we when they hired me, when Everlast hired me, they had they were on the verge of launching three different gloves: the Protex Three, the 1910, and then the MX. Uh, the Protex 3 was the most protective. It was a high-density foam. Um, it was very minimal impact to your hands. Uh, the 1910 was kind of the next evolution of our generic, basic, everyday fight gloves. And then the MX was our answer to the Reyes, was our, our foam and horsehair, really soft leather puncher's glove. And, um, you know, it was hard to convince people to give our glove a chance, especially since we went through uh, some, you know, some growing pains with that glove because we, we tried to get the fit just right to where I, I think we had problems with it, like closing a fist. So if you didn't close a fist, it would hurt your hand. And, and we really mm. tried hard to remedy a lot of the, the issues we had way back in the day to the point where I think right around, I don't know, maybe a year later, we started perfecting it and it became a really uh, high-performance glove for us. In fact, I would venture to say that the MX is probably more favored than our Powerlock. Our Powerlock is probably our, our most widely sought across the board glove because for like promoters, you can reuse it because since it's foam, um, it doesn't break down as much as say the MX. But our MX is the preferred glove. I mean, and, and, and we've perfected it and, 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 and kind of just tinkered with it to the point where, where I think it's a really good glove. Um, you know, it, 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 it's, it's a weird science. I'm telling you, it, it, people think that all you're doing is stuffing foam into a leather thing and right. glove. It's an exact science. I, I mean, I, 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 you know, I, I befriended, uh, our, 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 uh, design manager or design guy. And he, uh, he would show me all the sciences that goes into it, all the stuff, all the prototypes he would have of just various things of various gloves, various ideas was, was mind boggling. I mean, some of the stuff he was showing me on my last visit was like, and not even thought of, I mean, I couldn't even think of, he, it's just a, a, such a creative science to, to it. And it's gotta be an exacting science. Cause I mean, if you put too much foam, it really does make it too bold. Yeah. Right. It, it, it yeah, can no. be a non, uh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, because you know, like, my my oldest son, uh, Tristan, uh, it's just like me. My wrist is uh, is one of those where you got to work out the most because it'll bend when you punch. Like when I jab, yeah. Uh, my my wrist will hurt immediately, and um, I I know like using like a Grant glove, which are very good gloves. I'm not knocking them down. They're very good glove. Okay, um, but they don't hold your wrist the same way an Everlast. Like you wear that, there's a completely different padding that kind of, it's more tight around your wrist. So even if you hand wrap it and you hand wrap it correctly around your wrist, um, it, it, it just gives you like a little extra support above the, uh, above your, your wrist going over your, like, you know, your, your forearm and your knuckle. And it helps to strengthen out. So it, it, there is a science to it. And I, I, mm-hmm. knowing that, I, I used to think before, like, a glove is a glove. Like, you know, that's why the old-timers used to wear socks. And it's not, it's not that way. That's why the old-timers, their hands used to get busted up. 
um, they had uh, uh, you know hand problems. Now more now you're hearing more. You don't really. I mean, actually, you're not hearing this a whole lot. Where fighters are saying they're having a lot of hand problems because of the gloves. The gloves that are being used are a lot more, uh, uh, you know, catering to a to to Pacific way of a person uh, gloving them on and throwing a punch. It, it, it really is a science, man. I agree with you. Yep, it's a science, and and there's different materials now. It's not just basic foam, basic horsehair, basic things. You know, there's different leathers. There's different types of impact foam. There's, there's, you know, it, it's just the way a glove can be constructed can, you know, where you, you know, back pad it more for wrist protection or you front load it for, for more hand protection. And, and, you know, it, it, you have to get it just right to, to make sure that, you know, it's protective enough to, to not hurt your hands through several rounds, but still have enough impact to where you get your punches across or the, the, the weight transferring of, of a punch you know, is maximized. You know, it, it, it's 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 like anything that's professional. It's like a golf club. You know, you put the weight here to make it go higher. You put the weight here to make it, you know, draw more or or, or stay low or, or cut through wind. And and you know, it's like same thing with boxing gloves. It's it's a, it's a science and and it's um you know very very extra you know exact and and and, and specific. You know, before I let you go, because we got to patch in our next call, uh, our, our next guest here, and I'm, I apologize for everybody uh, that's on hold, but I had these two uh, interviews here that I really wanted, and I thought it was very important to have them on, uh, Ernesto Gavillon and uh, 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 Robert Diaz and stuff. Uh, well, let me stay on for Robert. Okay, I'm gonna let you stay on for Robert. So here's my here's my last. Uh, well, not, I, I got more questions for you if you're gonna stay on with us. Let me let me yeah. ask you this: the COVID nineteen hits. You get the dream uh-huh. job that everybody wanted, okay? Let's just let's just like throw <laughs> it out there, bro. Here's here you get this, okay? And you know what? Yeah. Uh, uh, I think it, it went to the right guy because thank you. Here you are. You go around and you and you speak to all the fighters. You're always in the mix, um, not just with the fighters. You you talk to the fans on Twitter, and you you really wear your heart on your sleeve, man. I mean, I do. I, I, I sometimes look at you, I, honestly, when I read some of your stuff, Ernie, I go, Ernie, why the fuck would you reveal that? Like, why would you say that? Like, why would you put yourself out like that sometimes? But then I realize this is who you are. This yeah. is, this is, this yeah. is what you're made of. Like, there, there's no, yeah. there's no in-between. Either, either I'm not going to like you, or I'm going to love you. Am I wrong about that? Yep. No, you're right. Um, I always say that who I am on my socials is exactly who I am in real life. And the reason why is because I don't want someone to come up to me and be surprised that I act the way I do. Now I know I'm mm-hmm. I, now I know I'm not everybody's cup of tea, and I I accept that. I, at first, I was really uh, it was upsetting because you want everybody to like you, but then you have right. to understand that through 20 plus years of being in, in boxing now, you know, you're not going to please everybody. You're not going to, not everybody's going to vibe to you like that. And you, you pick and choose your battles and you find the, 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 the core people in your life that, that really can influence you really do become a mentor. And the fact your next guest is probably the biggest mentor in my life. And, you know, I, I take, I take his word as gospel. He tells me to do something. I, I, you can ask him. I, within minutes, I'm done. I say here, and and you know he's guided my path 
you know, great. I can't, I have zero complaints about it. I mean, he's the one who, who recommended me to Everlast. He's the one who I would confide in and saying, bro, I really want to make this my livelihood. And he goes, well, one day you and I will work together. And I'm like, okay, that translated into Golden Boy. But if he ever left Golden Boy, I don't think he ever will. But if he ever left, I would follow him. He's the reason why uh, I, I continue to love this sport. And, and, you know, picking guys like that, picking guys like Robert Diaz and Sergio Diaz, Antonio Margarito's manager, who basically gave me every chance under the sun to – uh, find sparring partners to, you know, make outfits for for people to make gloves. I remember that towards the end of his career, you know. So he gave me the opportunity that that a lot of fighters and Frank Espinosa he trusted me with all his fighters when I first started. He said, "Okay, here's this, here's here's Luis Ramos, here's Ronnie Rios. Go ahead and make outfits for them, and they'll fight in your gloves." And and you know, now we're going on 15 years of friendship. I mean, I consider him and Frankie friends more so than than workers you know robert garcia robert garcia has i think pushed me to that next level because you know i kept building champions with him and frank espinosa and cameron duncan i kept building champion after champion forever last and and these guys they 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 trusted me with their fighters and they trusted me right. with, with with their you know their fighters careers and taking care of making sure that they you know that their fighters are taken care of with training gear and if they needed something at the gym so, I mean, you build yourself up to a nice little core of people that you can trust, then, you know, everything else kind of falls in place. And, and you know, not everybody's going to, you know, when you shake out and you see what you got and you, you're reading your tea leaves, not everybody's going to like what you what, what you are, what you've become. And, and that's fine. You know, but I right. like who I am. You know, I'm at so a stage me... now where I like who I am. So my here, here, so I, I gave you the praise. I mean, my question that you know that wasn't a question. That was me, you know, saying that. Congratulations. Yeah. My my question my question is this: Victor Ortiz, there was a genuine dislike for him, right? Am I wrong about that? There was a genuine dislike for him, or or you had a nickname. Maybe it wasn't a, a, a dislike, but you had a nickname for him. Can you refresh my memory about that nickname? I don't remember that. I, I know what Brandon Rios used to call him oh, all the Bra- time. It was Brandon Rios' name. <laughs> That's right. It was Brandon Rios that used to have that Yeah, I never really – I mean, Vic and I, I've talked to him several times. He's actually – you know, he's he's unique, but, I mean, we've, we've never really, you know – had real be him and Brandon. But you didn't shit. agree with it. But but I remember this. Like you didn't agree with a lot of the stuff that he did, right? Oh no, I don't think there, a lot of people did. But see, here's the right. thing. I was a huge uh, Victor Ortiz fan when he was with Top Rank, and and he made mm-hmm. his pro debut on a Showbox, and I was a huge fan of this kid. And you know, and then you start hearing the, the the grumblings of you know I'm unhappy, and then he takes uh, uh what is it a hardship where he can fight under Golden Boy for one fight, and then he ends up signing right. with Golden Boy. You know, and and I think what everybody thought he would be versus what he ended up being was 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 his downfall. And it's it's really not his fault. He is who he is. I mean, honest to goodness, he's not changed. I mean, he's still the same kind of goofy. I do my thing. Right. If you don't like it, too bad, bro. You know, bro, too bad. That's just who I am. I think. I think he struggled in who he was. Yeah. Am I wrong well, about I think that? Our like, expectations I think... of him. Right. It, it really, yeah. I think it played a lot on him. You know, but if you look at it, 
multi, you know, he's he's a multi-time champ. You know, he I think he was champ at forty and what forty-seven, or uh, he, and he's he's had some memorable fights. You know, it, great fights, great fights. Yeah, and he made a lot of money out of this. You know, so it's yeah, not it became, as if his career his career was a failure. I just think the expectations that were laid upon him versus what he really was was a lot and put a lot of pressure on Vic. And and you know. But let me ask you this. Do you think he fought everybody, right? Like he was willing to take on, right? Yeah. That's yeah. So let me ask you this. Him and Amir Khan fought everybody. You can't complain about these guys. They they fight people. They're out of their weight class too. Yeah. Out of their weight class, whatever they got to do to make a fight. Because they believed in themselves. You know, so some me, of it, you know, so, of course, it's some of it's money, but they believe in themselves. So let me ask you this, Ernie, because uh-huh. <clears throat> here we are on Twitter, and you said something to me, and and I was like, okay, I'm gonna wait till I get Ernie on because I want to hear, I want to hear your, your what's your full thought about this because Twitter can only give you so many characters before I can really understand it, and I, I I'm more of like I want to hear the whole thing, especially when it comes from somebody that so important to the sport and I consider you one of the more important guys in the sport like I take what you say um, you know uh, as as something that should be heard you know what I mean and listened to Ryan, Gar- Ryan Garcia mm-hmm. am I wrong to like not care for this kid to be so critical of this kid Ernie like I mean, you, Vic, you think of Victor Ortiz, you think of Amir Khan. There's a guys that they fought everybody. Why, why, why can I not get the same theme from Ryan Garcia? And how come you don't feel the same way? I don't feel the same way because I think he wants it. I think there's a desire in him for greatness. I, I think what's happening to Ryan, and I can't speak upon the actual stuff that I know as to what's mm-hmm. happening with Ryan, but I do know that I, I I think it's the old phrase. There's there's too many chiefs, not enough Indians. I mean, I know it's politically incorrect to say this stuff now. Now that we're changing the Redskins' name and so forth, but that's <laughs> an old saying. There's 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 too many chefs, not enough waiters. Maybe that's the best way to say it. But I think a lot of people are talking to him, and he can't. And he's lost. Maybe he's lost his voice. You know, maybe he's lost his voice because. I know when he first got, got to Golden Boy, you know, it was the feel-good story because he was the kid, the internet sensation who could fight a little bit, but turns out he can fight a lot. Because I really think he's, he's, he's a badass fighter. I really, really think he's a badass. I think we haven't seen the best of Ryan yet. Um, he signs with Golden Boy. They take a shot at him because basically he's building himself into this, this, this internet sensation, but more so he's building himself into this SoCal uh, – must-see attraction. You know, he'd fight a lot in Tijuana. Uh, his first early manager, Roger Ruiz, would, would take a shot at him and, you know, with him. And, and finally, it, it paid off to where he signs with Golden Boy, and, and that's where it really starts to take off. And, and, uh-oh. Well, keep going and keep... Is that me? I'm calling Rob. I'm calling Rob. Oh, okay, 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 okay. okay. Um, so now, we've, we've gotten to the point now where... forwarded to an automatic he, voice message system. Nine. Um, when you have... Hmm. Okay, so Don't now, uh-huh. um, too many quotes in with the kitchen. Ryan, with Ryan, you know, I don't think that you know, I don't think the goal has changed. I, I just think that 
maybe the, his surroundings have changed to where it's a little bit cloudier, you know, to, to kind of find his path again. And, and it happens. It happens to a lot of fighters to where, you know, you're enjoying the, the peril, you know, the, the, the fruits of the, of the successes that you've had. But with those successes now comes another number of people who know, quote unquote, what's best for you. And they kind of, you know, draw you further away from what your original goal was because they think that your, their path is better than what your original goal was. And, and it turns out that if, you're, if you stick to your guns and your original goal is to win championships by age this, you know, the money falls. The money will follow. I mean, there are time and time again people who, who sat the course and now are making money. I mean, you, you know, it happens all the time to where – I mean, did you know? I, I think I truly believe that if it, if Terrence Crawford didn't have the true fundamental belief in himself, because if you think about it, Terrence Crawford is everything that's right in boxing. You know, he didn't ask for a lot. He didn't. He, his time came. He was ready to fight <laughs> as a replacement on the undercard of Real Salvarado too. He he jumped right to the champ, and, and he proved that he can he can fight at that level. So. He earned everything that he got, and he trusted the path of his his early manager Cameron Duncan, his now manager Brian Bomack, and Top Rank. And now he's making money. He's making the money that 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 he had faith he would always make. That's belief in yourself. The expectancy to get money, you know, quick right away. I don't blame them. They're fighters. I can't tell someone, hey, you're not supposed to be making this much. You're, you know, this is their livelihood. Far be it for me to tell someone you can't, you shouldn't be making this. I'm not that judge, but don't let the money cloud the path that you're taking. Because if your path is never about the money, you making it about the money now changes the whole direction of what you're supposed to be doing. And and, and I I I, think, I definitely I definitely like what you, I definitely like what you're saying, but I gotta ask. Roberto Diaz, who we have on the line. Roberto, are you there? I'm here, guys. How are you? Good, man. Good. Thank you for joining us here on Leaving the Ring with myself, Dave Duenas, in the mill car. And we got Ernesto Gabion here. Uh, yeah, thanks for joining us. No, thank Robert, you for having me. Uh, it's always a pleasure to, to listen to you guys and, 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 you know, obviously to be on. It's my pleasure. Yeah. And it's a family affair, I guess. We got Ernie, so you got two for one today. I know. Yeah, yeah definitely, man. I was, and there, I was and telling him about how house. much of a mentor you are. For the good things. Only for the good things. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. I, I, I still got to get up to your food level, though. <laughs> <laughs> so so here's, here's my question for, for, sure. for, for Robert. As a matchmaker, which I got to say, you're one of the best in the business, man. Um, you know, I, I think a lot much. of things that you've done, a lot of things that you've done with Golden Boy, because I used to say in the beginning, I think my, bit of, my biggest criticism in the beginning of Golden Boy when you guys started off, which was a very young company, was that it's got to get better. And you've gotten better. The fights have definitely have gotten better. But how difficult is it for a matchmaker that's got one superstar and a potential superstar that... We're not seeing right now. I mean, this we're not seeing these guys. How frustrating is it? Is it for you? 
so that you're going out and you're getting these opponents and, and nobody's signing on to take the deed to step in the ring with the one, with one Canelo who anybody, I thought anybody would want to step in with them, but nobody's doing it. And then you've got Garcia where we're reading right now that he doesn't want to step in the ring with so-and-so because he's got to first figure out what is going on between him and Oscar De La Hoya and Golden Boy. Well, let, let that, uh, you know, one, it's the, it's the times. We're, we're in unknown, you know, territory. We've never been here before. But otherwise, I mean, uh, under normal circumstances, you would find a dozen opponents that want to fight Canelo. However, not for the right reasons. They want to fight Canelo because, um, you know, they want, they want to pay. They want to pay. They, it, and, and you know what? Somewhat, it, it should be that way. And somewhat, it is that way. But when they're trying to take it to another level, like, I want to retire with this fight, that's where you got to question their mentality. Look, go and beat Canelo. Go and beat him. Not just show up and collect a payday. How many opponents have we seen that go in there and don't try, but they're okay because, hey, at the end of the day, I got paid. That shouldn't be the mentality. The mentality is I want to be the best. I got to beat the best. And once I beat the best, I'm going to make millions of dollars after that. But not just by saying I hit the lottery, I'm going to fight Canelo. I already made it. And some of these guys are like that. Now, go back to the 80s or even in the 2000s, and you didn't have that mentality. You had, I want to fight him because I want to beat him because in order to be considered a great fighter, I have to beat guys like this. Right. That mentality is not there today. It's not, and that's affecting. But as far as the frustrating on me, no, because obviously when this first started, uh, the pandemic, I mean, I didn't think it was going to be 100-plus days. I said, okay, it'll be a couple weeks. We're going to be shut down. Then a couple weeks turned into two more weeks, three more weeks. Now it's like, you know, California just got locked down once again today. And it's like, okay, how long is this going to go? People, put on your mask. People, you know, avoid that the crowds. Let's get this done and over with so we can get back to our daily lives. Um, <laughs> And in the past, in the past, I mean, it's, it's frustrating when you want to do fights as a matchmaker, but you have so many obstacles. I mean, there's so many fights out there that we could have done or want to do, and a lot of times they get killed by one of those obstacles. That could be a father, a mother, a spouse, a trainer, a manager. Uh, the last ones to kill it would be a fighter because, look, at the end of the day, most of the time, they're willing to step in the ring with anybody, and they want to step in the ring. But you have a lot of people around them saying, oh, right now is not the time. Even right now, through the pandemic, you know, you're getting fights turned down because, oh, we'll wait, we'll wait, we'll wait, wait till it's better, wait till. Who knows what's going to happen tomorrow? But, Robert, let me ask you this. Didn't this, I mean, before the whole pandemic thing, the COVID-19, don't you think that, because I've been saying this, I thought Eddie Hearn kind of changed the game. And honestly, I thought he was throwing out his wallet before cashing in by saying, I got a, mil- a billion dollars budget. Do, do you think that had something to contribute with some fighters that are kind of overlooking what, what they can get paid facing Canelo Alvarez by saying like, hey, man, five million when they only get paid 700,000. Uh, they're saying, I want five million. I, five, give me five. That's, that's, that's chump money. Give me 10 million. We're not even worth that yet. 
Don't you think that kind of hurt the market for you guys? Absolutely, absolutely, because you're throwing out numbers that don't exist. And and in 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 a sense of, hey, look at this side. You want to come over here, or or and and it's happened before. You, you want to put such a value and such a you know high purses, but at the end of the day, any business, any business, if you're there for the long run, can't be successful when you're just giving away free money. You know, it it, it it's gonna come back sooner or later. And bite you in the ass. It has to. You know, a lot of times we're pointing, oh, they don't want to pay. They don't want to pay. You'll hear that. And first of all, the fans don't know what we're paying. And it's one one thing with us, and you've seen from the past, we don't like to throw out numbers. And, hey, we paid it. We personally, personally, I've gone to Dan Raphael and said, hey, why do you like to post purses? Oh, people like it. No, people like it. The fans like it when he started or when people started throwing out these numbers. It's very dangerous for a lot of these fighters, you know, from other countries that are in very difficult and poor situations to throw out these high numbers. I'll give you an example. Jorge Linares had his brother put a gun to his head and carjack in Venezuela. Venezuela oh, wow. is going through some horrible times right now. So right. when they hear purses of, let's just say, a million dollars, they don't know that from the million, you've got to pay a manager percent, you've got to pay the trainer percent, you've got to pay cut members, you've got to pay tax. By the time it's million turns into three or four hundred, which is still a lot of money over there, or Nicaragua or you know, any other country, Mexico, the people are just reading headlines. And these people that are out to go, they can go easily and kidnap a family member and say, look, there's a ransom for this. So I've always been against that. The fans should be interested in fighter A versus fighter B. Not how many, what network he's going to fight on or, or how many pay-per-views you'll sell or how much he's getting paid. That's none of our business. I mean, it's only, you know, when he signs the contract, like in baseball or basketball, okay. But every game, they don't tell you how much he's making or how. You keep reminding him it's only in boxing because obviously it's it's that every time there's that event. I think one of the results of that too has just been like the explosion of the fanager culture. You know, fans that act like managers on Twitter or on on YouTube, and you know, I remember when I used to debate fights with people ten years ago. It was all about skills. Now it's about you know, how much money they make and what's the best business move. What do you think yeah. about that? Like the the, the manager culture right. that's out there. You're absolutely right. Look, in boxing, it's probably one of the only sports I can think of or in business where there isn't really a, a, a tech school that people go to. You know, I didn't go to somewhere to say, I want to be a matchmaker tomorrow. Can you – Train me for this. It obviously happened, but you have so many walks of life in boxing that get in boxing people from any type of industry, business background or not are in boxing. So the fans, I mean, I think a lot of it with social media became more boisterous. You have so many experts. And, and I say it in a good and a bad way because some of these experts out there are some of the best matchmakers. You know, when I'm, I'm referring to fans, because they'll come up with ideas of fights, and they'll be like, yeah, that is a good fight. However, 
take in consideration this manager versus this manager or this trainer. I'm not going to take that fight because, oh, he's too tall, he's a southpaw. But there's some great ideas out there. But when they come into numbers, uh, even people in the industry, even people in the industry that have been in boxing so long, you'd be surprised how little they know when it comes to the business part. (laughs) Yeah. And it's so different than other sports. I mean, you know, you never hear fans of Novak Djokovic and fans of, you know, Roger Federer debating how much money they're making. You know, it's, it's all about the, the, it's all about their skills. And, and you never hear, okay, let's say in, in baseball or basketball, the father and mother getting involved with, no, you, you know what, you can't travel to this city because I've had bad experience in that city, so no, I don't want you to play a game over there. It, it, it's very different. They have a manager, they have an agent, and they have a team. The general manager calls the shots and the owner. I mean, it's very different. In boxing, all of a sudden, everybody started having a voice, and and, and it's good to have the good opinion, but when people know the business, you know, you'll have a wife all of a sudden say, I'm going to be the manager or a husband, if it, you know, a female fighter. So it's very different. What, who have you managed before? Well, it doesn't matter because that's my spouse or that's my brother. He has the best interest. Yes, he does. But remember, when it's a father, a brother, somebody's really close, all they're seeing is that tunnel vision this is the best fighter in the world. Really? Why? Because I love him or because he's my son and he's the great. So it, it blocks the business part compared to who else have you worked with? Well, this is so the only goes, one, but I've, goes, I've worked with him. That just goes back to what I was saying was like, I mean, I know the fans had contributed to that. Um, I mean, I mean, Al Heyman wasn't talking about you know, how much he was paying. It was the fighters themselves that were saying, hey, I'm getting paid a lot of money. Why would I want to do this? But I was like, why, why is Ed Hearn out there flaunting how much he's getting? I mean, I thought that was pretty dumb for him to do, and it's kind of caused some fights to be avoided or not happen because of the fact that he was saying, hey, this is, this is what I got. So I guess I, what I'm asking you guys is, is there has there any been a point behind closed doors that anybody said, "Hey, ya cállate, way like shut up, bro, be quiet already, let us do our job because you're making it difficult for us to make better fights happen." It it has been mentioned amongst a lot of promoters to each other, and some get it, and some will tell you, "Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right, yeah, okay, let's not do that, let's work together," and then they go do it. Even more, because remember, I mean, a, a lot of boxing is evil, and that little you know pounding on the chest type thing. Ha ha ha! I got over. At the end of the day, yeah, you might have got over one or here or there, but you're you're swimming yourself in the long run because good pandemic things are going to change. There's no gate. There's no attendance. There's no fans. So that affects right there your revenue. It has to affect your budget. So can you go back to the fighters that you were paying a million dollars for a tune-up level fight and say, now I'm going to pay you a million dollars or even less because of budget cuts, but now I'm going to put you in a real fight. 
the fighter's not used to that. They're going to be like, no, no. That's one thing. If When you keep the market level where, where it is, where it should be, the fighters are earning their own money, and they're proud of it. Nobody's giving – I've always told fighters this. No matter how much they're paying, somewhere, somewhere, they're going to get it back because nobody's in the business to lose money. So don't buy this up front here or there because they're not bonuses. They could be advances. They're going to get it back. Nobody's giving away free money. But when you're doing fights at a fair value, fair market or maybe even above market a little bit, not extremely just overpaying because it's not your money, then it's it's easier um, the transition right now. Hmm. You know, because we've been right here down, like going the same path. We're not really changing. And and we haven't changed. You know, we haven't done the show, but we tried it a couple of times and it just again it didn't go because of the verses. Okay. But here we are, we're gonna make we have the other fights going. And you'll see once they're reported they're good. They're good purses. They are good purses, and and we'll continue to do that because it's it's one thing to overpay, and it's another thing to underpay. There's a fine line to obviously maintaining in business. And you know, you mentioned earlier, right now, one star, what has and potentially one coming up. Um, what has me, como se dice, like you know, tranquil? I'm, I'm calm. I'm just to keep doing our job because. No, just the mere fact that we've done it before, we know we can do it again. And what I mean by that is, remember that Deontay, Danny Garcia, Adrian Broner, uh, the Charlo, they all started with Golden Boy. They all debuted. Santa Cruz, they did. Abner Mott, they yes. all debuted. All of them. You know, all the stars that today are the, the headlines over there, they all came through this farm system, if you want to call it. But we built your first, Your guys' first... Your guys' first champion was Abner Morris. Great, that was a great, Correct. great, great champion. You know, and and it takes a lot of times they thought you know at the beginning like even when I started at Golden Boy, people were always saying, oh yeah, they have all the known champions because Barrera was there, uh, Mosley and Marquez and Hopkins, right? But they don't know how to, the knock on Golden Boy was they do not know how to build fighters. They only get them once they're built because Golden Boy hadn't been around. To have right. it, the the time hadn't been put in to have a pro debut already be a champion. It normally that was such takes a great kickstart, though. That was such a great kickstart. I mean, if you have a name, why not build off of it and bring every other person that was looking exactly. for something different? You know, and that was a great great exactly. opportunity. So, so I go back again, Robert. Again, you have, and and, and you know what? I forgot one guy that I think is. Honestly, I think is the the future for Golden Boy, and I don't think a lot of fight fans that tune into Leaving the Ring are to disagree. With me. I don't even think er- er- Ernie's going to disagree with me on this here. Uh, Virgil Ortiz, am I wrong about this? About wanting to buy stock in this kid? Is this kid something to look forward to? I mean, he's fucking phenomenal, man. Every time he is well, amazing, on, beautiful. I love this guy. Amazing. And here's the thing with Virgil. People tend to forget, oh, yeah, he has it. Come on, he's 15 fights. I mean, he, he's already done more 
in those 15 fights than some established champions. And what I mean by that is he's already fought a couple former world champions himself, you know? Yes, he, he has. Salgado, who was a former world champion. He already fought Mauricio Herrera. He already fought Antonio Orozco, who contended for a world title. And he's done what he's supposed to do if he's at that next level. He's done it. He yep. hasn't struggled with any of them. And he looks good every time he does it. That's the crazy part is that there's always a flaw that you see with a fighter, right? There's always something that you go like, ah, you know, he needs to work on this. But every time I see this kid, because that's the one reason why I watch the sport, I love the sport, is when I tune in, I'll look at a fighter and I'll go like, dude, he needs to really work on his goddamn jab. Or, ah, mira this pies, you know, like his footwork is just terrible. Because I'm always looking for the 90s fighter, the 80s fighter, because that's where I grew up on, the Barreras, Morales, you know, the, the De La Hoyas, the Vodigas. I look, I, I always try to look for something that kind of resembles that where I can go, that's it. That's why I fell in love with the sport. When I see Ortiz, that kid, I go, dude, this guy, I mean, I can't find nothing with this kid yet. This kid has it all, you know? And the problem I, I want to see so much he's still going to improve, and that's going to be beautiful to see, you know, because he's just getting better and better as he gets more mature, his manhood comes in. And he gets rounds. I mean, look, when, he, when we matched him with Mauricio, I love Mauricio Herrera. He's one of the most difficult fighters to fight out there. Yes, and nobody, yes. nobody had, you know, ever dominated or knocked out Mauricio. So it was like, I saw the pros and cons. I said, look, if Mauricio beats Virgil, it's okay. Virgil's going to learn, get a lot of experience from this. And he's young. Look how much Danny Garcia struggled with him. Yeah, Exactly. And then yep. I said, if, if he doesn't knock him out that's val- and still wins, okay, well, that's still valuable experience that you can buy. But if he knocks him out, holy crap. I mean, this is, this is for real. And what so is it absurd? I mean, Robert, Robert, is it absurd to you when you hear people go like, well, if they lose Canelo, the only star they got is going to be, you know, uh, uh, Ryan, Ryan Garcia, when the truth is that is it the star there for me? And maybe because I'm I'm older, I'm in I'm, I'm you know I'm in the 45s, but uh, uh, range and stuff. But to me, the kid Ortiz is a guy that you guys should really focus on. That's the kid that should be built up to this pedestal of what is the future of boxing, right? Because he's got the he's got all the traditional traits that we love of of, of Mexicano fighters that stays quiet, doesn't talk a lot of shit, not using the whole social media platform. And he speaks with his with his hands. I love that. Wow. Am, am I wrong 100%. about this? Or am I too old school? No, no, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. And we, we saw it very early on. Look, the kid is very dedicated. Proof, proof is when we called him a couple of weeks prior to the 4th of July show, hey, can you be ready? He was still in Texas, never stopped running, never stopped working out, but he hadn't been sparring. He said, I can't be ready for 4th of July, but I can be ready for July. Okay, we'll give you a few more weeks. Get ready, you're on. And he was on. Remember, he was one of the first ones when the pandemic hit that got canceled. So it was only right for him to be the the next, you know, the the one to start the show after Ryan said no or his team said no to July 4th. But Virgil is dedicated 100% to boxing. He lives. A lot of the traits that you'll see with a lot of the Golden Boy fighters is the same. You know, uh, that's one of the things that we look for is dedicated because talent can take you so far if there's no dedication behind it. And, so I, and he's, got a, I, great, I, he's I, got a great team behind him. 
Oh, absolutely. And Ryan, as much as, you know, everybody gives him slack because, oh, look, he's social media. That's something he's doing on the side, which he's doing tremendously. But when it comes to the gym, he learns fast, and he is very dedicated to the gym. But that's got to be killing then, him, though, right? And then Robert, we have that's got to be killing Rich. him, though. I mean, I mean, Ernie, help me out here. I mean, social media, it can backfire on you in a heartbeat. Is this not backfiring on him and how he's being so vocal about his disgruntle uh, against Goldaboy? I mean, taking a jab at, the, at, at your boss, that's not a good look, is it? Am I wrong? I don't. Well, you know, I don't. I think, I think I we all learn from mistakes. I really do. Yep. I think we all learn from mistakes. And uh, he is young. Um, but he's done it he's like three times, though, Robert. I mean, you you would say, okay, first time around. Like, hey, listen, you know, we're all we're all parents here. If my son walked up to a, a my barbecue pit that I have on, and I said, hey, don't touch the pit, mijo, it's it's hot, and he touches it, that's yeah. the first time he learns. But this is the third yeah. time, I think, coming along with Ryan Garcia. I mean, when do you when do we stop saying, okay, we got to give him a but, pass because he's wait, a young wait. kid? Go ahead, Dave. Let me ask you this: if your if your son if your son gets mad at you. For not giving, oh, I don't know, for not getting the pair of Jordans that he had asked for. He gets mad at you. He gets mad, he gets over it. And again, you don't do something quite the way you want. he wanted you to do it. He gets mad at you and gets over it. We have to understand, Ryan Garcia is a young man. He's, 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 he's got a lot of success kind of just thrown upon him. He kind of hit that, that right, you know, stride where he's got, you know, he got very popular very quickly. And to the point now where he's in, in he's a crossover star to where it's where boxing you know is 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 his trade but his popularity is clearly in the Instagram world and and I think he's trying to bridge that gap between um what social media influence he has versus the old school kind of Hey, let's build a champion kind of thing. He's trying to uh, maybe he's trying to mesh the two, and it's, he's having some growing pains out of it. I mean, it's, it's not out of but the question to where to I, where I hear what you're saying. He Ernie. sees heard, himself I, right as a crossover star, and he just wants to be able to translate it in the screen into into the ring. But when you present him with facts and you present him with 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 ratings and and understanding where his place is in the boxing world. Then you have to kind of come to this compromise and this 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 common ground to where all sides are are, are happy, and I think that's where he's trying to understand his worth. Look, what I what I've told what I've told some of the people that have asked me, I said, look, for a couple, uh, whether you're married or your girlfriend, if you're together long enough, there's going to be an argument. There's going to be a day where yep. I, I'm not talking to you. There's going to be. But at the end of the day, you're still married. You you move on. You move forward. You know, they say in Spanish, hasta en las mejores familias. Even in the best families, there's there's disagreement. So yes, it's part of the growing pains, but it's also has a lot to do. And I'm not just saying in Ryan's case. In a lot of our fighters' cases, with some people, like uh, how do I put it? In a some people send messages to them to cause this type of friction, and sometimes they use the media. Some of these reporters go in there with an agenda and yep. already start instigating stuff. And, and I know of a couple of our guys already say, hey, that's not what I said, Robert. And I said, oh, no, take the note down, remember who it was, 
And next time they come looking for you, remind them. Remind them because it happens all the time. It happened to me when I was with Barrera. We did interviews and it was like, hey, that's not what we said. But hmm. that's what Now it's worse than ever. I mean, we're in the clickbait generation. Exactly. Anything to get, anything exactly. To get clicks. Exactly. And now with social media added, when you have, we were talking about earlier, so many fans that are either the fighters fans or because they're not boxing fans. Right now we're seeing that more that they're not even boxing fans. They're that fighter fan or that network fan. And all they're doing is like egging them on, egging them on. Hey, yeah, man, you deserve more. Yeah, you're the – it's like slow down, slow down. It's a process. Right. You guys, when Canelo first stepped into the U.S. and fought at Morongo Casino against Larry Mosley, he made very little money, but he understood it's a process. Even when he fought Valdemir, it wasn't millions. I mean, so but he understood the he understood the model, though. See, that's what I'm saying. Like, I I feel like, and this is this not just Ryan Garcia. You know, I hope I'm not. I, I am bagging on the kid, but I think I'm bagging on anybody of this new generation, um, because I feel like you know what you guys are, like. These guys are trying to change a model that's worked. Like. Okay, yeah, the other shit in boxing needs to be changed. But building up a star, building up your audience, and us wanting, yearning to want to see you, why are you guys trying to change that? You should fight. The money's going to be there. We're going to be there. Especially when it comes to Raza. We're going to be there. Like, we are the one soul. And you're absolutely right. There, There is a process. For instance, when they're amateur kids ready to go pro or, or, or dreaming one day of going pro, What's the only thing on their mind at that time? I want to go pro because I want to be a world champion, because I want to be a positive role model for other kids, because I want to be in the Hall of Fame. I want to be remembered to be great. Okay. Once they go pro, it doesn't change overnight. It's once they start making noise that all of a sudden they have so many uh, experts coming to them and say, oh, you should do this. You need me for this. I can do this for you. I can do that for you. Uh, I'll get you more. That's when they're there. Now, it all comes with the territory. In order to get there and make more money, you gotta want. You gotta basically put them on TV, promote them properly. He he has to do his job in the ring, and then the networks are gonna be calling you saying. What is it? You, you might even have a war between networks because everybody wants a piece of whoever this fighter is. I'm just giving it, it, it overall <laughs> right. an example. Right. Yeah. And that's where you have the leverage now. You've done your job. Now, there's so many world champions today that nobody knows who they are. Even us in boxing sometimes don't know why. They're fighting once a year. How do you expect them to be popular? Now, okay, they're being told, what? You don't have to fight three times. Just fight once, and you're going to make what they make in three. Okay? That's a good way of putting it. However, because they've been out, the rust sets in, and then they go lose. And then hmm. nobody's going to remember them because nobody ever saw them. When they fight often yes. and win and win, continue winning, people know them. People still know them in the street. You know, I think it was one time uh, Hearn did say this, uh, you know, what, if they walked down the street, people knew who Joshua was and didn't know who Deontay was. I remember that. In the U.S., US, everybody was going to know who Deontay was. In the U.K., they're huge boxing fans. They would have known who Deontay was. So it's just 
the example was proper, but it wasn't proper with the fighter he was talking about. You know, I think to be, to I think, I think to be fair people. though, Robert. To be fair now, everybody knows who his uh, his costume that he was wearing on the rematch is is more known than him at, at this moment, man. <laughs> Uh, guys, I got I got to wrap this up. It was great, um, but I, I just got to point this out, and I think that that, that I I I, I got to say this really quick, Robert. If I was you, I would sit down and Ernie. This is for you too. I would sit down, Ryan Garcia. This is what I would say to them. Okay, being you know that we all three of us probably could have kids his age. We probably do. I do actually. I do have kids his age. I would sit them down and say, Lisa, listen, mijo, we're gonna make you a TikTok champion belt. Just fight Lenaris or fight Campbell. Do whatever it is. You're gonna have. Uh, we're gonna make you special gloves that say Instagram champion, and then it can be made. We're done. We're happy. Everybody's happy. We all can hug at the end of the time. At the end of the day, when they when they step into the ring and make that fight happen for us, right? How about this? How about this? <laughs> He's yeah. gonna have by before by the end of his next fight, he will have a WBC. Uh, part of that world title because he will knock out Luke Campbell. Oh, yep. I yep. want, I want to see, I want to see it. I got, I yeah. Ernie, what do you say? I I think that nothing changes. I mean, part for the course. I expect, I expect great things out of Ryan Garcia. I'm, I, I believed in that since before his Golden Boy days, and I nothing has changed that. Um, like I said, I I do think you know he just needs to kind of understand where he is and how we can get it focused and so we can start going out for one of many belts. I mean, I, I, I'm, I I'm, do believe he beat Campbell. I, I think he's, you know, of, of the guys that they're talking about at, at lightweight, and, you know, he's very right up there. I mean, if not the best, you know, it, it's scary good how he can, it, it's scary how good he can be considering he's only had what, eight or nine rounds under Eddie Reynoso as far as a professional fight. You know, there's still nuances. He's, he's got to be made, and he's such a quick learner. I'd venture to say he's a he can end up being the complete package as far as the fighter's concerned. You know, and and, and, and guys, I hope, and I'm excited. Something real important that you know, it's a message to promoters, to fighters. Look, that oh, it's beautiful. Very very few, very selected fighters have been able to do that, but it's not the most important thing in the world. You know what? Muhammad Ali, that's my hero. I mean, Leonard, Duran, Hagler, Hearns, they all lost fights. Oscar, but people still remember them for the great fights they gave. So, lesson learned, fighters can lose and get better. Yes, And absolutely. to the promoters, let's put, let's put your best against our best. All Everybody work together. And at the end of the day, boxing wins, the fans win, and the fighters win. There's going to be promoters yep. that today I lose a fight, they lose a fight, and you know what? That's okay. It's not baseball. We're not keeping score. Let's just put the best against the best. That's what I, it comes right down now, to, man. I think Ronnie Reels is a better fighter now than when he was undefeated. Yes. No, so I have I to agree always, with you. I, I always go back to telling fighters that. I said, Jorge Linares, you would beat yep. the undefeated fighter. The one today would beat the undefeated fighter. of you know. And the same thing, I agree 100%. The Ronnie Reels today is mentally focused, strong. I mean, he lives, sleeps, and, and, and breeds boxing now because they mature. It gets to the point where I'm not doing enough, doing what I'm doing. I have to yep. do more, and then the hunger gets in. I got to tell you guys this. I, if, if Ryan Garcia fights Campbell, I think that's a great fight. 
first off. I think that's by far the toughest fight for him. Um, I think that myself and my, my, my co-host, Amilcar, we were picking Campbell to win that fight if it happens. But I don't, I'm not writing this kid off. I think this kid could be something. I think where we stand or I stand and a lot of fight fans stand is we're frustrated because we're seeing these fights kind of, you know, fruition and stuff. You know, Jorge Linares, phenomenal fighter. Want to keep seeing him. Uh, Emil Carr, you got anything else yeah. to add before I let the guys go? Go for it. No, uh, yeah, I, for me, the Campbell, the Campbell prediction is strictly based on amateur pedigree in a gold medalist. And, you know, the fact that he only lost the two, like, elite-level fighters in Linares and Lomachenko. But, no, I just want to thank both of you for coming on, spending so much time with us here on the show, and uh, we hope to have you again. Always a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And you are absolutely right. I mean, to date, Luke Campbell uh, does present to be the toughest test, but that's, that's the part of where we, and I'm not going to say just, you know, against everybody else. No, but we do stand a little bit apart from everybody else's. Our fights, are, I mean, at a younger age, uh, they're tested sooner but that's okay because that's where you find out and, and the fighter learns from themselves. Look at Joshua Franco. If he didn't have those three fights with Negrete, that's true. I, I mean, we wouldn't have been so confident in winning the world title. We were very confident. Obviously, anything can happen once in the ring. You've got to respect an undefeated world champion, but we were very it, confident as a team in whole because it is of what we saw in It's crazy. Is, 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 it, is it me or is it crazy when you see fans shit on you guys when you decide to make good fights, when you, like, as a matchmaker, you go, like, this is a really tough fight, but, you know, I'm going to make it happen. And then the guy that's, that, that people think is going to win doesn't win because they got matched with somebody equal. Is it, did, did that ever blow your mind on Twitter when people are going, like, yeah, they're a golden boy. Look what they did. They suck. They don't know how to match guys. I mean, do we want mismatches or do we want competitive matches? I'm only you hit it right that. on because you get that all the time. The fans complaining, for instance, right now, a good example, it's boxing's really the only sport going on right now. So for us boxing fans, we should be very happy. Yet you see them, oh, these fights suck. Right now it's very hard to make a fight in general because the pool's smaller, the borders are closed, so many rigorous trainings. Uh, Hard goes out to Jamel Herring and obviously our guy Okendo, the fight fell out. Um, right. To Harry and I wish him all the best. He's a great, great champion, a great uh, role model for all these young kids and, and a great person. So my heart out to him and hope, you know, things get better soon. But they're never happy. Boxing fans are very, very different than any other sport. If the 49ers would have won the Super Bowl, and that's my team, I never would have gone back and said, <laughs> yeah, but this, <laughs> this yeah. 49er team wouldn't have beaten the team from the 80s. We don't do that in other sports. But in boxing, let's just say Canelo knocks out Golovkin. Yeah, but he wouldn't have knocked out Marvin Hagler. Well, guess what? He's not fighting Hagler. You know, so they're never happy. If you don't like what you have on the tune, change the channel. Go to YouTube. Watch old fights. But let the other people enjoy it. So, yes, when, when I put them in tough, the first thing I hear is, oh, they're trying to get rid of them. <laughs> Why am I trying to get rid of them? They're just putting them tough to get beat. <laughs> if he loses, bad matchmaking. If he wins, they don't give credit of like, oh, wow, they took a risk and look, it paid off. You know what? 
I get to the point where it's like, just do your thing, make sure the teams are happy, the fighters are happy, and that some people enjoy the fight after. But my, my goal is always, let's put on some fights. Let's put on some real stuff. You know, there's a building yep. process, and then there's time to step it up. Well, there you go. Roberto Diaz and Ernesto Gabillon from Golden Boy and Everlast here on Leaving the Ring. Guys, I got to, again, appreciate every time you guys come back on here, man. It's always fun. Uh, Ernie, yep, we, we have history. Uh, Robert, you know, we have history here, man. I, it's great having you guys on. I, I, I just appreciate you guys coming on, being so honest and candid on the show, man. It's just, it's great. All the time you guys come through. Anytime. Thank you so much. Come on anytime. Thank you, Stay guys. Stay safe, you guys everybody. Take... Stay strong, and we're almost over, hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. But you know what? Uh, we have been seeing some fights even out in the U.K. and, you know, in the television studio. So I hope that thing continues out here as well. I hope we get – I mean, look, we're starting July 24th. I hope that's just the first of many to come this year. And mm-hmm. um, I'm just through my head, every – I mean, with, with the matchmaking, it's like all of a sudden you're watching a movie that gets boring and you're like, hey, 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 boom, a fight pops up in your head. Or, you know, it just pops up at every given moment. So there's a lot of things I have in mind that I want to present. It's just getting the, the dates approved and, and moving forward. Hey, right, I right. got an idea. Rob, 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 I got an idea. Because, I mean, you, you know, you guys are in cahoots with the zone right now. Um, you know the guys that they have on there doing the podcasting and stuff? Why don't you give my man Ernesto Gabillon a segment? Tell, convince them. I'd rather hear, hear Ernie. Uh, on the, I'm, no, I'm not being honest, Ernie. Yeah, I, I'd rather hear Ernie go up there and explain certain things on the podcast, on the zone. Except, yeah, that Barack guy. Come on, man. Please. Yeah, yeah, Barack, yeah, kill, yeah. yeah, they're killing me. I'd rather... Yeah. <laughs> It's Robert, really do bad. that, please. I don't know it's a single. Really I honestly don't know a single boxing fan that likes those guys. I don't know anybody. Wow. That likes not those a guys. single one. Not a single oh. one. Give Ernie. Give Ernie no a shot. You guys should actually go on Thursdays to Robert's show where he has where he's with Bethel Duran and Coach Joel Diaz every Thursday. That's a fantastic show. Oh, I gotta check <laughs> it out. I gotta check it out. But like I said, I'm. I'm my goal is in for Ernesto Gabione to go on his own and have his own podcast so we can explain certain things to the fans. I think that would be a great show. He did a fantastic job, and he should do the boxing lab here on Leader Ring. Give him a shot. Robert, I'm, I'm for that. Let's There's my vote it. right there. Let's push you. There you go. I love it. I love it. Thank you. All right, guys. You guys take care. Right. Have a great night. You take too. care, you guys. Uh, right, you too. Take care. Well, there you go, man. Um, thank you, everybody, for tuning in here on Leadering. I hope we answered a lot of you guys' questions here. Uh, we obviously didn't get to the heavyweight report or of uh, Keith Thurman um, saying that he wants his comeback and immediately he wants to go after Errol Spence. But then he contradicted himself saying, uh, well, that's if he, uh, you know, if they want to give me somebody else to run with uh, inside the ring, right. I'm okay with that. You know, did you see that? Did you read that? I did. I was actually, I was actually, I was actually talking about it for about five minutes myself, Dave, before I realized that we were no longer on the air. So, um, <laughs> yeah. What are, what are your thoughts about that, bro? Come on, tell me really quick before we get off there. We have I mean, seven minutes. My my thoughts on both Keith Thurman and Errol Spence is that they've been inactive for a very long time. I really don't know where they are, what they've been doing, especially given the pandemic, and. You know, it's kind of, you know, you once you stop seeing people fight, you kind of stop caring about them a little bit. So, 
you know, I, I'm mm. not as interested in Keith Thurman as I was like three, four years ago. I'll just say that. His stance is like, you know what? I want an elite immediately. And I'm just like, what happened to the, the other? But he uh, had a chance uh, for an elite immediately before and he didn't want to do it. <laughs> right. That's what I'm saying. What happened to that guy? That guy that was saying like, oh, no, I need to tune up all oh, my body, uh, et cetera. Yeah. Now he's calling out. He wants a rematch. He says that. I think I deserve, I've proven I deserve a Manny Pacquiao rematch. And I'm like, proven with what? You lost the first fight. You, you haven't done anything. Then he brings he up Mikey Garcia. Thing. Yeah. Then he brings up Mikey Garcia. Like, Mikey Garcia is a top elite 147-pounder uh, who struggled with, with, with uh, uh, Jesse Vargas. I'm like, uh, dude, what do you well, he's think? An elite, I think? He's an elite 135-pounder. Yes. You know. He struggled when he went up to 147. He was out of his weight class. I just, you know, look, you know, he's probably got a bunch of bills he needs to pay, expensive ones. He wants a big payday like anybody else would. But I agree. When I think of the fighters I want to see when this pandemic's over and and the fights I want to see, you know, Keith Thurman, unfortunately, does does not come to mind. No, especially when you're saying I would go into an Errol Spence fight immediately and then say, but you know what, if he wants to tune up and I want to, yeah, I mean, why not? If Mikey Garcia, and, and that was his immediate go-to, Mikey Garcia. And I would, you know what they yeah, told me? He's a name oh, and he's, he's a smaller guy. He, exactly. You know what that said to me immediately? I was like, oh, he wants to cash out. That's all he's looking yeah. for. He's looking for a payday. That's it. I, mean, I get it. I, mean, I, I would actually be insulted by what he was saying if he would have like like straight up came out and said I want to get paid guys mm-hmm. I don't care about the sport I just want to make my, my money no you're right you're absolutely right, right. yep that's anyways uh, so, yeah hopefully we can it. sort out the, these these issues we, we've had and because um, we obviously do want to get all of our listeners involved in both, you know, with the calls and with the with the chat. So I know we're going to get it all sorted out. Yeah, we need Kenny. That's that's the bottom line. Yeah. We need Kenny back yeah. here on <laughs> leaving yeah. a ring. Until we get Kenny back, we're not going to get these uh, issues resolved. But anybody that tuned in, uh, and I apologize because the phone lines were filled up, uh, but these were two interviews that I wanted to uh, get get done because I thought they were very important. There were some issues that I wanted to find out in here from the guys from the business side and to clear up and uh, the glove gate uh, was definitely cleared up. And then uh, Robert Diaz, I think that um, the true slugger that he is uh, stood up to a lot of the questions that we had that were kind of uh, jabbed at him. Uh, he blocked him and he, he, he kind of said, okay, this is what it is. Uh, you know what I like about Roberto Diaz is no mm-hmm. matter how many times he comes on here and I have, I've told him, um, I'm not a fan of, of, of Ryan Garcia. Am I rooting for the kid? Yes, because I love boxing, but I'm not a fan. And he's yeah. always willing to come back on the show and say, okay, I, I'm going to take your questions. And he kind of, I think he already knows that I'm going to be the, I'm going to put on my hater hat or drink the uh, hater gator, whatever they call it. What do they call that nowadays? I don't even know what they call Haterade. it. But, uh, gator Yeah, the hater raid. Um, and he does it. So kudos to no, those and two he, guys. You know, whether or not he has his disagreements with his fighter, he, he always has his fighters back um, for the most part when he's speaking to the media and, and giving interviews. Yeah, well, he's got to. 
I mean, they're, yeah. they're part of his company. Yeah, I wasn't Absolutely. expecting him to say. I wasn't expecting him to say like, ah, fuck Ryan Garcia, that little piece of shit, little snot nosed kid. You know, I even though that would have been great radio if he would have just yeah. finally just said, "Let's stick out on." Like, oh my god, I would have loved it. I, yeah. you know, <laughs> but I knew that it wasn't gonna happen here on uh, yeah. not this time around here on maybe when he, their contract is done over with and Ryan Garcia has finally found his uh, his way out because I think that's what the kid's looking for. He's looking for his way out of uh, mm-hmm. of Golden Boy's contract. I don't know if it's gonna happen. And then I think that we're gonna find out whether or not how difficult the kid was. Uh, but I think Robert was giving us the subpar truth of what he's dealing with. You know, um, but that's a true professional there. Anyways, Amoko, yeah. I think we've been on way too long here on Libre Ring. Yeah. Uh, until next week, brother. You too, man. And we'll be in touch soon. Absolutely. Here we go. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, Thomas Caballero.